Welcome to Politics Weekly. I'm your host, Nolan Cleary. Politics Weekly is a podcast on politics, news, and principles. This week, a Democratic candidate for Senate in Kentucky who's hoping to unseat Mitch McConnell in 2020 joins me as we discuss Ivanka Trump's email server, Trump's refusal to condemn the Saudi Arabian's prince's suspected murdering of a minister, Rick Scott's third upset victory in Florida four years in a row, and more. Hello, welcome to Politics Weekly. Uh, Now, after the 2018 Senate midterms, Republicans made gains in the U.S. Senate despite making significant losses in governor's races across the country and losing the U.S. House of Representatives to the Democrats. This means that, that Mitch McConnell will get to stay majority leader for at least another two years. However, come 2020... Mitch McConnell is going to have to be on double duty, not only because he's going to have to help the Republicans defend their majority in the United States Senate, but also because he will have to uh, defend his own seat as he is up in 2020. One of the people he is running against is, or one of the people he may run against, is my next guest. Stephen Cox is a Medicare for All advocate and he is a Democratic candidate for the U.S. Senate in 2020. He is hoping to unseat McConnell. Uh, uh, Mr. Cox, thank you for joining me. Thank you. All right, so the way this usually works is we talk about the news of the week, but first I want to ask you a few questions about your campaign. So my first question is pretty simple. Why do you want to be... Sen- why do you want to be... Sen- uh, the senator from the state of Kentucky. Why do you want this job? Well, honestly, it uh, it started after the 2016 elections. You know, I didn't want to really be involved in politics, but at some point you start to realize, you know, if, if I don't do something, nobody's going to do anything. And, you know, with Mitch McConnell, he's been in office for over 30 years. And not a lot of people in Kentucky like him, but he's very good at making decent people look awful. Mm. And I'm very passionate about health care. Um, I didn't know a lot about health care as far as Medicare is concerned when I first started this. And I was having a conversation with my dad, and, and it was over you know, a meal. And I was like, hey, Dad, you ever try this? And he said, well, what is it? You know, I said, you know, it's... I showed him what it was, and he was like, oh, I can't have that. And I was like, oh, is it too spicy? And he's like, no, son, I don't have the teeth for it. And I was like, why don't you have enough teeth? Why don't you just get dentures? And he said, well, Medicare doesn't cover dentures. It's not considered a uh, necessity for life. And it just, I don't know, it blew my mind. And I started thinking, you know, how can I change this? 
Interesting. So uh, the next question I have is: uh, uh, You're you're a Medicare for All advocate and a progressive. Kentucky backed Trump by 30 points in 2016 and backed Mitt Romney by 23 points in 2012. The state is known to be reliably Republican. How can you turn that around and win in 2020? Democrats in Kentucky is they always fall into the same trap. Uh, everybody thinks, you know, okay, the Republicans have a very strong foothold here. So obviously we want to be like them. But it's not the case. I mean, you, you saw it in um, the last time Mitch was actually up for re-election when Brian tried against him. She basically just tried to out-Republican him. And that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a Democrat. I'm going to be myself, um, unapologetically myself. And really what the people of Kentucky like is someone who is like them and also someone who doesn't care to say what needs to be said. A lot of times Democratic candidates don't do well in Kentucky because they don't just speak their mind and they don't come across as someone who has presence in a room, you know? Mm. Well, that was going to be my next question is, in 2014, when Allison Lundergan Grimes, who was a well-known Secretary of State of Kentucky, ran for the seat, she was expected to make the race amongst the closest in the 2014 midterm cycle, and yet she lost by 16 points. Do you think running as a progressive, do you think if you run as a progressive, that can maybe turn that around? I really, I don't think it's as much as what you run as, as, as how you run. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of her adverts were about, um, you know, she's not trying to take away guns. She was shooting, you know, clay pigeons and whatnot. And, you know, I, I get that. And it, it plays towards, you know, the base that people think is in Kentucky. But when you see someone doing that, you know what they're trying to do. You know that, you know, they're just trying to reach out and say, look at me, I've got guns. I'm a Democrat, but I've got guns. It's okay. And, you know, I met Miss Grimes. She's a wonderful lady, but I, I honestly, I think she would do better if she was just more genuine. And yeah. that's what a lot of your, your politicians lack in Kentucky. They're just not genuine. Mm. Well, my, my next question is, uh, as you know, next year there's a pretty hotly contested governor's race in Kentucky, and Matt Bevin is one, is the incumbent. He's one of the most unpopular governors in the country, so a lot of Democrats see a chance to unseat him. Uh, Rocky Adkins and Andy Bashir, two Democrats, have both declared their candidacy. Do you support either of them, or are you waiting for other candidates to enter the race before you support or endorse somebody? Well, um, it's funny you say that. Uh, when you really talk to people in, in certain circles and you, you, you know, you have some information, I, there's, there's actually a lot more people that are going to run some really, some really big names. I'm not, I'm not going to say them because they haven't announced apparently. Mm. Well, I've heard about that. I've heard that Allison Grimes is thinking. I've heard the former auditors thinking about it. And I've heard Amy McGrath's thinking about it. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, it's, it's kind of a bad habit for Democrats in Kentucky. Is we see, okay, there's an opportunity with Bevin. So everyone wants to throw their name in. And by the time the primary is done, 
they've had such a battle with each other that there's not much of a fight they can put up towards yeah. the actual one. Right. Um, so my next question is about gun control. What is your stance on gun control, you know, the Second Amendment, gun rights, um, and do you think there should be more gun control, less gun control than there already is, or do you think that the gun laws we have now are fine as they are? Well, I mean, honestly, the, the issue isn't so much with the current gun laws as it's with the people that have the guns um when somebody decides to arm themselves and you know walk into a crowd of people walk into a school there's something wrong there that that i don't think we're really looking at and i mean honestly increasing security measures to get a hold of guns it, it won't really stop that people that want to do those things are still going to have access to guns. They will find a way to arm themselves, or they will find a different way to hurt people. So it's not really about the guns so much as it's about what is going on in our society that, that makes these people break to the point where they want to hurt other people. Would you support a universal background check? <laughs> Absolutely. Interesting. Um, so, so my next question is... Um, would you, if you end up winning, if you end up defeating Mitch McConnell and winning the Senate seat, uh, would you be willing to work with President Trump or Rand Paul um, on issues in a bipartisan way in the Senate? As long as those issues were what the people of Kentucky felt strongly about, I would support what the people want and what the people need. Um, I'm willing to work with anybody. I won't lie, I'm not always a fan of some some people out there that are currently hold seats, but if it's good for the people, then I'm, I'm going to do it. Mm. Now, would you, if, would you be willing to compromise your principles if... Uh, if one of your ideas was unpopular with a constituent, with some of your constituents, or would you stand by your principles? Well, I mean, that, that's really the whole job, you know, you, you, you want to be a voice of the people. So they vote for you because they, they trust that you're going to vote the way that they want you to. I mean, if my personal beliefs get in the way, you, you have to go with the people hands down because that's what you're there for. It's, I mean, it's basically you're their representative because they can't all come out to you know Congress and say, this is how I feel. And to vote based on your own principles alone is, it's, I mean, it's wrong. Yeah. Now, if Matt Bevan wins re-election in 2019, but you win a year later, would you be willing to work with him on key issues? understand 
what uh, poor people go through, and I would love for him to understand that. And I feel if he had that perspective, he would make rational, educated decisions instead of whoever is, you know, has told him or taught him that, that his ideas are good. You know, mm. I don't know. He makes really bad decisions. If you win in twenty twenty but Republicans end up keeping control of the Senate, how do you plan to find a way to get Medicare for All passed through the U.S. Senate? That's a very good question. And honestly, I mean, that's a possibility. But winning one seat can make a difference. Even losing can make a difference. Really what you have to do is you have to change the hearts of the people. You have to get out there and you have to talk to them, you know, if, if they don't want Medicare for all, why is it that they're saying they don't want it? Maybe they don't understand. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of moving pieces with Medicare for all that would make the entire industry cheaper to run, you know, to do and the cost would definitely come out in premiums or in dropping premiums. And if, if I think if, the average person realized that a lot of the cost of their health insurance is, you know, the cost of advertising for their health insurance, the cost of the CEOs, you know, mm. they realize that there is a way for everybody to have Medicare. Um, do you think that there would be any, as long as you were able to get every Democrat on board in the Senate, do you think that there would be any, um, any centrist Republicans uh, you could that do you have any in mind that you could maybe try and turn to to try and get a bill uh, like Medicare for all passed? You know, the sad part is if you'd asked this question several months ago, John McCain would have came to mind. But the sad part is I, I don't really feel that there are a lot of Republican senators out there that um, that vote for what they think is right. I mean, we, we saw it in the last two years. A lot of them just, when when the heat turns up, they turn right back into puppets. Mm. All right. Well, my, my final question before we move on to the news is, uh, what advice would you give to Democrats running in ruby red states? Because right now you're in Kentucky, what would you? What advice would you give to a Democrat running in a state like Texas or Tennessee uh, or Missouri? Or I, I think in twenty twenty, another Democrat who's going to be in a tough battle for reelection would be Doug Jones in Alabama. What advice would you give to them? Stop being nice. Stop playing nice. Be yourself, one hundred percent. Stop apologizing. Um. It might seem like a rational and, and nice guy thing to do, but, you know, nice guys aren't always going to be the guys that get voted for to be leaders. People are going to vote for people that they think will fight and win a fight. That's not always going to be the guy that apologizes because, you know, the view is un, unpopular in his state. Mm. All right, well, why don't we move to the news? So the first news story is about Doug Jones. So Senator Doug Jones, Democrat from Alabama, has confirmed he is running for re-election in 2020. 
Um, this wasn't too much of a surprise. Some people thought he might run for president instead. Some people thought he might retire if he thought he couldn't win. Um, but he, the, but overall, it's not too much of a surprise to hear that he is running in 2020. What are your thoughts on this? And what are your thoughts? And what are your thoughts on Doug Jones's chances of potentially winning in 2020? Well, I mean, there are a lot of people who've been in the in the game for a long time, and what I would like to see, regardless of what party it is, is more progressive thinkers coming to the forefront, um, more average people. I don't know personally if you've met many politicians, but the first thing that I do when I shake someone's hand and they're a politician to me is I judge them. I mean, a lot of people, you know, they say you shouldn't judge people, but, you know, are they talking like a regular person? Can they hold a normal conversation? Or am I talking to an advertisement or or someone that is just a product? Mm. I, I personally never met Doug Jones, so I can't say specifically is he one of these people that I feel should, you know, step aside, but a lot of your long-time politicians are that way, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, why don't we move on? So, there were two two stories about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez this week. So, Alex, first of all, I guess uh, the shoes she wore on primary night are going to be put into a museum... So that's the first story. And then the second story is that she has said she will back Nancy Pelosi for Speaker of the House. Um, uh, Now, she had previously said she would not support Nancy Pelosi's bid for re-election for Speaker of the House, but she has now backtracked on that. She has said that Nancy Pelosi can count on her vote. Uh, what are your thoughts on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, her shoes getting put in the museum, and what are your thoughts on her de- making the decision to back Nancy Pelosi for Speaker of the House? Well, uh, first and foremost, I absolutely love the woman. Um, she's, she's amazing. Um, everything that she said and just her entire race was, was wonderful to watch. I think what we're seeing with her decisions is more than likely um, a person that's not connected to the, the roots of the party having an opinion. And then when she gets connected to everybody, that opinion changes. Um, I am kind of concerned, I should say, that her opinion changed, but maybe she has a perspective that I do not have in that regard. Mm. I do like the idea of her shoes being in a museum now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about that, or should we move on? Um, no, we can move on. All right. So this is another big projection that came out this week from Florida. Uh, Governor uh, Rick Scott, Republican of Florida from Florida, was officially certified the winner in the Florida Senate race. Uh, it appeared on election night like he had won, but if you remember, it went into a recount, and that election kind of got a little weird. I mean, it's Florida. If you want to look at weird voting stuff, just just look at Florida. I mean, historically, and there's a lot of 2000 PTSD. Um, but uh, Florida, uh, but yeah, he was officially. This week, it is official. Uh, he will be going from Governor Rick Scott to Senator Rick Scott. 
Uh, he was officially certified the winner, meaning he has unseated Bill Nelson, the incumbent Democrat, um, and he will be going to the U.S. Senate. This is a pickup for the Republican Party. What are your thoughts on the Senate results? I don't understand why it's so complicated for us to have elections, why the, the counts are always so complicated to maintain, um, especially with Florida. You know, they, they have a history of this. It, it, it's still mind-blowing. I mean, in the, in the midterms, I'll say that, you know, I voted for people that I wanted to, and I had some write-in candidates that I, you know, just wrote down. And, and often I wonder, like, how how closely do they look at all these ballots? Because, you, you know, you're going to have your election night results, but the official results, they usually don't come in for several months. And by that time, you know, someone's always declared a winner and the other person is always backed out because they want to, you know, lose graciously. Mm. And, you know, with, with that outcome, I imagine that is what had happened is, you know, they just got tired of waiting for the entire vote to come in. And I wonder if the system couldn't be made more efficient to have faster results because, I mean, honestly, I don't understand why it's so complicated. I, I really don't. Mm. I mean, maybe I just don't understand, um, you know, how casting ballots gets recorded, but I know when I... I do mine, I put it into a machine, the machine scans it, and I feel like that machine should be able to count that vote right then. I don't understand why we have to have so lengthy of recounts and why there's so much, uh, you know, deception involved. Now, some people were saying that um, there was some shady stuff going on in the Georgia election. There was allegedly voter suppression um, some people have even gone as far as to say they think Stacey Abrams would have won the election had uh, Brian Kemp not been the Secretary of State, not had he not been up to allegedly tricky deeds. Um, but um, do you uh, do you think that there was any that there were any shady deeds going on in the Florida election that helped Rick Scott or even Ron DeSantis, who was declared the winner last week, uh, win their elections? You know, a lot of times the poll workers are going to be volunteers, and I can't say for certain everywhere, you know, they're going to follow all the rules 100%, but I feel like there are instances of voter suppression that, that that are occurring um, just based on misinformation. I, mean, I, I know of a few people, you know, in my own backyard that didn't get to vote properly because they went out to the polls and their address had been changed, but it wasn't the same address that was on their mm. the license. So then they said, hey, you can't vote, but you know, it doesn't match. But that, that's not the case, you know, that it doesn't have to match. You just have to prove that you're that identity, that person. Mm. And I think voter suppression does happen, and, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Maybe we should actually employ people during that time period or, you know, move manpower from another, another agency to enact safeguards. So, there, 
you know, you, you don't have people that aren't having their ballots cast or they're, you know, pushed aside or discouraged from voting. Hmm. Interesting. So speaking of Florida, uh, it also appears as though Brenda Snipes, the Broward County supervisor, who uh, who she came into some some troubles because there were a lot of deadlines. She missed some of those dead or deadlines to submit vote because she had to oversee the voting process. Uh, she came under some controversy because there were some deadlines she had to fulfill. Uh, she didn't fulfill those deadlines. Um, this led to Republicans like Marco Rubio and others claiming that uh, she uh, was trying to rig the election against Rick Scott. Um, it has been reported this week that she has resigned from her post. Uh, she has officially resigned as Broward County Supervisor. She will not. Uh, she will no longer hold the position. What are your thoughts on her resigning? I think we all do things um, late sometimes. I think they should have looked at how the election went, and yes, you know she did submit something late. But was she really trying to do anything bad, or was it just you know an, an error? That sort of stuff happens, and. I don't like that anybody tries to use, um, I'm just going to say bureaucracy in general, like rules and regulations to say, oh, this person is doing something wrong because you know, they didn't turn something in at the right time or, you know, oops, they violated this small little rule. It's sad when people have to resort to that to win their battles, and it's sad when they you know, push a person that has served the people into resigning their position. Mm. All right. Well, then why don't we move on? So, um, uh, so Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did back uh, down on Pelosi, but some new incoming members of Congress uh, have uh, signed a uh, a letter, an open letter, opposing Nancy Pelosi as Speaker. In fact, uh, Marsha Fudge, an Ohio congresswoman, is now thinking of challenging her in the Speaker election. If Marsha Fudge were to become the next Speaker, she would become the first African American to hold the post of Speaker of the House uh, of Representatives. What are your thoughts on uh, the new members of Congress refusing to back Nancy Pelosi? Do you believe Nancy Pelosi will be the next speaker? Um, and uh, what are your thoughts on Marsha Fudge uh, thinking about uh, running for the job of speaker, potentially?
sure. Do you but, think? I mean, regardless, I'm not a huge Nancy Pelosi fan. I feel like she's gotten a decent run of things, and she should have accumulated enough to just move on at this point. Um, so I, I would like Fudge to, to at least try, you know. Yeah. Um, now, do you think Trump could be doing that because, because right now Nancy Pelosi doesn't have great approval ratings. Um, in fact, part of the reason, because for years and years and years, I, I think they continue this tactic to this date. The NRCC, which is a company that tries to get Republicans elected to Congress, they'll try and paint Democrats running for Congress as Pelosi Democrats, and they'll try and connect them to Nancy Pelosi. And you'll see, like, all these ads on TV during election seasons where they'll say, this Democrat will vote for Nancy Pelosi, or this Democrat is Nancy Pelosi's lapdog. This Democrat votes for tax increases and yada, 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 yada. Uh, And this is a steaming hot liberal and blah, 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 blah. Um, Because Nancy Pelosi's approval ratings uh, aren't great. Do you think that maybe Trump is doing that because he want he thinks it'll make Democrats look worse if Nancy Pelosi, who doesn't have amazing approval ratings uh, outside her district, um, continues to serve as Speaker? I have to be completely honest. Uh, if I, if I was trying to guess who what Trump's motives were. Uh, I I would be far off point. It's difficult to understand if something is uh, deliberately intelligent or just um, accidentally intelligent or, you know, a fumble on its part. Mm. I mean, I'm not a fan of the man, but I can't read him that well either to know if he knows how people view him, and if he's smart enough to use that to weaken some of the position, because he mm. might be, or maybe he's just so um, bought into himself that he doesn't see it that way at all. It's, it's, the ego of the man is too complicated, really, for me to make a, a just thought on that matter. Yeah. Well, why don't we move on? So, this coming to, or actually, I think as of the day this is being uploaded, this podcast, uh, there is a runoff about to happen in Mississippi for the special election. Uh, Thad Cochran, the incumbent, resigned from his seat earlier this year. Uh, and now uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith, the agriculture commissioner, was appointed to that seat. Um, but now she is under fire for a bunch of gaffes and a bunch of controversies as well. Uh uh, she did make a joke uh, after her opponent, former uh, U.S. Secretary of Agriculture and former uh, Congress uh, Congressman Mike Espy, her Democratic opponent, who got into the runoff uh, after he uh, after he declined uh, to debate her. She, uh, she made a joke saying she would attend anything he invited her to, even a hanging. Um, that came under controversy. That comment came under controversy. Another image showed her wearing a Confederate f- hat. Um, 
And most recently, uh, a comment uh, she made, or, uh, or recently, uh, they found a yearbook from a segregation school which uh, showed her name in that yearbook, implying she attended that segregation school which uh, taught kids uh, about racial integration um, and white supremacy. Um, so, but not only has she been bashed for her, um, for her, uh, controversies and her controversial past, but she also has come under controversy for some gaffes. During a debate between her and Espy, she, uh, made a gaffe saying that she, um, she made a gaffe saying, uh, or she mixed up the, the, the election dates, um, she, uh, she made a bunch of different, uh, errors, uh, uh, what do you, what, um, in spite of this, Republicans are still confident they can win here, Democrats are hoping for another Alabama special election style upset, um, even though, uh, Hydesmith is the incumbent, um, unlike Roy Moore, who is not the incumbent, um, SB has been trying to rally up Democratic turnout the same way Doug Jones did, or rally African-American turnout, I should say, uh, just like Doug Jones did. Um, just recently, he got California Senator Kamala Harris to come down to campaign for him. However, he did stress that he was not going to vote the way she did. He did stress that he's not a steaming hot liberal um, and that he was going to vote in moderation, um, unlike uh, Kamala Harris, who is known to be a more liberal, uh, a, a more of a liberal firebrand. Um, what are your thoughts on all the gaffes um, uh, Senator Hyde Smith has made, and uh, who do you see winning this election? Well, I'm going to be honest uh, with you. Sad truth about it is, and I, I'm sure you you've seen it yourself. Um, these sort of gaps, you know, when, when people make them, you expect a, a larger reaction to it because, you know, any decent person knows that when people act this way or they say, you know, racist things, that it's totally heinous. You know, we don't want to support it, but then there's the people that just don't care. And the people that just don't care, you, you can't get them to sign on to say, okay, maybe we shouldn't support this person because they're obviously, you know, garbage. <laughs> yeah. So I, I can't say that I would um, predict her to win uh, or her to lose. I, I don't know well enough about, you know, the their base there, but I can say that I hope she loses. I hope anybody that is just blatantly racist loses. I think that's something we really need to shed as a culture. Now, you talked about earlier, you talked about Democrats that don't really, you know, they try and be moderate. And you talked about Allison Lundergan Grimes. Do you think that Mike Espy bringing Kamala Harris down... Uh, and then saying, "Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I brought her down, but I'm, I'm not. I, I'm uh, listen. I'm not. I'm, I'm not a liberal firebrand. I'm a moderate. I swear. Do you think that that might hurt him, or do you think it's going to, or do you think that's not going to matter? I mean, he really just needs to pick a side. <laughs> Even if people 
don't agree with the side you pick. I find a lot of times they get more aggravated when you just refuse to take a side. You know, if, if you're going to be a progressive or if you're going to be liberal, if you're going to be staunchly conservative, just be it and be it predictably. And that lets people know that they can trust you. And that's really what, you know, a vote is. It's people's trust in you as a person. And if you're wishy-washy, you know, you want to parade around your, you know, liberal friend and say, well, I'm not that liberal, but I'm friends with her, so, you know, liberals, hey, come vote for me. You know. Well, the theory was that he was... The theory was that he was trying to get more African-American turnout um, because what part of what Doug Jones did that helped him beat Roy Moore in the Alabama Senate election was that he got African-American uh, Democratic politicians from really, really liberal states or traditionally Democratic states down to campaign for him. For example, he got Deval Patrick, the former governor of Massachusetts, who's African-American, uh, to come down and campaign for him. He also got uh, Cory Booker, the uh, senator from New Jersey, another African-American man, to come down and campaign for him. Uh, both of them are known to be, uh, to be liberal, uh, staunchly um, uh, left-leaning. Um, both of them have also been, uh, coincidentally, have been mentioned as potential 2020 presidential candidates. But um, they... But Doug Jones didn't say, oh, well, I'm not going to vote like them or anything. He didn't, he didn't try and be a moderate. Whereas Mike Espy, he kind of did the same thing. He tried to get Kamala Harris down. Okay, California, overwhelmingly Democratic state. Kamala Harris, I believe she's mixed race. He, she, he gets her down. Um, uh, but he didn't. But he tried to be like he was kind of playing like he was playing coy. He was like, "Oh, I'm not. I'm, listen, I have her down here, but I'm not going to vote the same way she is." Um, do you think that 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 was a smart move, or what do you think? Anything to get you more uh, FaceTime, more people seeing you, uh, more people to just stop and say, "What's this guy's message?" You know, it's a positive thing. Personally, I think uh, I've never been a big fan of uh, pandering. When I see pandering, you know, it, it aggravates me because I know they're not really bought into what they're trying to push forward as a message. Um, but honestly, I mean, let's, let's face it, it, it will help him, but it won't help him as much as if he would have just been genuine, you know. Mm. You, you don't have to... You don't have to pull in a, a mixed-race person to get, you know, black votes. You could just go into the communities to try to make a difference. Yeah. And then the, the one thing I want to say, I want to ask you b before we move on, is there's another Senate race there this year, uh, and Roger Wicker, the incumbent Republican in that Senate race, uh, he won by a landslide, um, and he's already been certified the winner. Do you think that uh, his success could seep into the runoff? I mean, that's possible. That, that's highly possible. I mean, right after the midterms, you saw where people were like, well, there wasn't really a blue wave, was there? And it, it, you know, it sort of, it kills morale. But the important part is to realize that we can't let it kill morale if we want to actually push forward and make good changes to the world and make a difference. We just have to say, okay, 
things didn't go the way we wanted it to, but we can't stop here. We got to say, you know, we won some victories in some very decent spots. We didn't win every election, but numbers rose in areas that were really deeply red. And the way to move forward with that is just to continue to talk to our friends and our family and, and educate everyone on basic human decency. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but that's what it boils down to. Hmm. All right. Well, why don't we uh, move on? So Trump came under controversy this week uh, because he, uh, because of the Saudi Arabian arms deal, he said that uh, the, the Saudi Arabian prince was not responsible for a, a murder uh, before the intelligence department came out and eventually released a report saying that he was Trump did refute them, however, and now he's coming under fire for that. Some people have said that he is only doing that to make sure he does not jeopardize a deal with them. What are your What are your thoughts on that, or an arms deal with them? What are your thought? Do you think that it was because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to lose an arms deal with Saudi Arabia, or or what? And what are your thoughts on him saying that the Saudi Arabian prince was not responsible? And if you get to the core of that, business decisions aren't decisions that are good for human life. They're good for money flow, cash flow. You know, it's not about what's good for the people or, or what's going to be good for the culture. It's does this make money? And you know, that's what they got when they they elected Trump. They got a businessman who's going to do things in a business way and. You know, life, love, liberty, those aren't business. Those are ideals, and that's that's really what we need in government. We don't need business positions. Hmm. Interesting. So why don't we move on? So um, uh, uh, Jim Acosta, we talked last week about how his press pass had been refuted uh, however, it has been reinstated temporarily. The White House did say in a statement that it was temporarily reinstated. Um, uh, or no, actually, recently it was fully reinstated. At first it was only temporarily, but now it has been fully reinstated. Um, but, uh, and, uh, and CNN has, in, in return, has agreed to drop their lawsuit. Uh, what were your, were your thoughts on Jim Acosta being kicked out of the White House, and what are your thoughts on him fully being fully reinstated and uh, or his press pass being fully reinstated? I mean, if you can't handle the heat of your own bad decisions, then maybe you shouldn't make bad decisions. Of course, the press is going to ask you questions, and they're going to hammer things that's obviously, you know, wrong. That's their job to shine a spotlight on things that are otherwise left in the dark. I am absolutely happy that they, his press pass was reinstated. I don't understand, um, well, I do understand why it wasn't. And, you know, they don't want to have to deal with negativity because there's so much negativity because what they do creates negativity. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so, hold on, why don't I move on real quick? Hold on, let me get to the next story. Uh, all right, so the next story is about Michael Avenatti. Michael Avenatti is the Stormy Daniels lawyer. 
He's been mentioned on multiple occasions as uh, he, as a potential candidate for president of the United States. He's expressed interest on a lot of occasions uh, in running for president of the United States. Um, so he said recently um, he was uh, he has now been accused. We talked last week about how a woman had accused him. Uh, of uh, uh, sexual misconduct and domestic abuse. Well, now another woman is uh, accusing him of domestic violence. An actress uh, is now saying that uh, Mike claiming Michael Avenatti beat her. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? And do you think this could jeopardize um, his uh, chances in 2020 for president? Last story I want to talk about is about Ivanka Trump's uh, uh, her uh, her email server. So she used uh, an email server, uh, a private email server, um, uh, to distribute to distribute emails. She said she was unaware of this. Um, Trump is trying to write. Uh, a lot of people tried to draw parallels to uh, Hillary Clinton uh, when she used a private server to send classified information. Um, uh, a lot of people are trying to say that Donald Trump is a hypocrite for going after her and not his daughter. Um, Trump is insisting there are no parallels and it is completely different. What are your thoughts? Anything else you have to say on that? I mean, personally, I don't think Hillary should have been locked up for what she did. I don't think Ivanka needs to be locked up. Um, but it is funny to see how 
people deal with those same situations when it happens to members of their own family. Mm. All right. Well, uh, that was Stephen Cox. Thank you again, sir, for joining me. Uh, good luck with your campaign. Thank you. Bye. Oh, before you go, can you uh, tell people where you can be found on social media? Absolutely. Um, I'm on Twitter at Stephen Cox USA. Um, that is probably the best place to reach me. You can also go to StephenCoxUSA.com. All right. Thank you again, sir. Um, good luck with your campaign again, and have a nice day. Thank you. Bye.